It's another episode of Did You Hear What Chocolate Said. I'm recording this late at night because I couldn't even get to sleep. So I said, well, I might as well create this. Maybe I can go to sleep after that. What am I talking about? Well, you're about to find out. It's pretty serious stuff. But thank you for joining me. I've got questions. I need answers. This is just too much. Mm. So I'm going to get started revealing some news that I found out today. As you all know, if you've been following me for any amount of time, I am a proud graduate of Michigan State University. I am a Spartan. I believe in being a Spartan. Very proud of my college experience and the university that I received my degree from. And uh, I've gotten some disappointing news out of my university before. I did not do a whole podcast on it because I was too emotional about it. And I didn't think I could make it through, so I never did a podcast on it. But this one, um, not only am I hurt by it, but I'm pretty angry. So um, here, here, here we go. I have found out that the Michigan State Spartans head football coach, Mel Tucker is being accused of sexual harassment. Ironically enough, the person who is accusing him of sexual harassment was hired by Michigan State and Mel Tucker to actually come and speak to the team about her nonprofit, which was created to combat sexual harassment and other sexual misconduct primarily with athletes. I didn't find this out until, I believe it was last night maybe, or was it today? It might have been just today. Yeah, it was this morning. And um, I've just been very upset since. So... I think I'll just start by just telling you guys what the facts are. According to a USA Day, I'm sorry, a USA Today article on the subject, Mel Tucker is the accused, the head football coach at Michigan State University. They also mentioned that he's one of the highest paid coaches in all of sports. The accuser is Brenda Tracy. Now, Brenda Tracy also happens to be a rape survivor um, who tours the country educating athletes about sexual violence. And that's her life's work. Why? Because when she was 20, 25, when she was 24 years old, she was gang raped. 
by four men, two Oregon State University football players, a junior college player, and a high school recruit. Um, she was hired to come to Michigan State to speak to the team about avoiding this type of behavior, how they should behave, how they should think, sharing her story. That's how Mel Tucker and um, her even got close. They were introduced to each other by a mutual friend. It's really interesting how uh, USA Today has a whole lot of information in here, but they don't mention who this mutual friend is. I would like to know who this mutual friend is who that intentionally introduced them. I really would. Um, if he is found to be um, guilty of behaving in such a way that brings tremendous embarrassment or disparage the university in any way, he has a clause in his contract that gives Michigan State then the power to terminate the contract with cause and he will miss roughly $80 million. $80 million. Yeah. This would be a stunning fall from grace if this occurs. Why at Michigan State? I just cannot believe this. And I'm looking at him. He doesn't seem to be like a stupid man. Um, he's been around the game for a long time. Had a pretty successful second year as head coach. His third year wasn't that great. But now I'm thinking this might have been the distraction. So all last season when I was noticing he didn't seem to be the same. I guess this may be why. So, today, I, at, I watched the press conference where uh, the university announced what they're going to do at this point. But um, let me back up again and go over some more details. Remember back... Um, earlier in the 2000s, Michigan State just had to get over dealing with that Nasser uh, character, Dr. Larry Nasser, who was found guilty of sexually assaulting more than 300 female athletes under the guise of medical treatments. This went over nearly two decades and the leaders of my great institution of higher learning Michigan State failed to act on the complaints against Dr. Nasser for years so after that debacle Michigan State has made great efforts to rebuild 
trust among their students, employees, alumni, East Lansing community, Michigan State's uh, supportive community in East Lansing and all over the state after that debacle, right? Now we have to decide whether or not Coach Tucker is guilty of sexually harassing one of the country's most influential advocates against gender-based violence. That's who she is. Oh my goodness. So let's go back to this meeting. The young lady and Coach Tucker met in August of 2021. Um, why? He, she came to um, Spartan's football arena or auditorium, told her story of how she turned her pain of being gang raped into purpose over 20 years after filing a police report that said that she was gang raped. From what I can tell, that gang rape case never was solved or prosecuted or anything. I just keep seeing that she filed a police report. That's that's all I keep seeing. So, of course, I'm going to do some more research on that. So she came to speak to the guys about her story to try and teach them how to avoid situations as such and to have compassion for young ladies or whoever they're uh, seeing, seeing, you know, at the time or messing around with. Um, She challenged them use their privilege and influence to educate themselves and call out bad behavior if they see it. She was paid $10,000 to speak at that time. This was during Tucker's second season at Michigan State. So... When she came in 2021 and met him in person and so forth, they hit it off. That's what they both told the Title IX investigator. They hit it off. They bonded over their love of Jordan sneakers and her story. He was moved by her speech. The players liked her. They both told the investigator. They discussed her coming back in the future. Um, Miss Tracy thought she found a champion in Coach Tucker. She said he seemed really interested in her cause and leading the. He led the players into signing her pledge and other things and teaching them how to have ongoing affirmative consent before engaging in sexual acts with another person. That was a whole key. So over the next year following that, their assistants planned two more visits to Michigan State for her through emails and text messages and so forth. The April 2022 spring game where uh, Tracy and her nonprofit set the expectation would be honored on the Jumbotron and the training that July with coaches and players. So during that time, 
Tracy and Tucker also spoke on the phone at least 27 times, according to her phone bills. Average once every two weeks for half an hour at a time. They spoke at night because of their work schedules, chatted about their jobs, families, mental health, daily life stuff. In fall of 2021, though, while Tucker was leading Michigan State to the 11-2, and his second season, it was the best season we had had in six years, they spoke more frequently. So in November of 2021, that's when he signed his 10-year $95 million deal fully guaranteed, even if fired for poor for performance. The only way that he could lose out on the money, as I mentioned before, is if he materially breached his contract, was convicted of a crime, or engaged in conduct which would tend to bring disrespect, contempt, or ridicule on the university. Why do we have to have that? Because of Larry Nasser. So that's in everybody's contract that comes to uh, employment with Michigan State. Now, both Tucker and Tracy both say around that time, November 21, is when Tucker, who'd been married for over 20 years, started becoming interested in Tracy romantically around this time. The um, difference in stories is whether or not Miss Tracy reciprocated. That's the question that everybody wants to know and everybody wants answered. Did Brenda Tracy reciprocate? They both... um, Well, Tucker said that they became romantic with each other. They openly talked about it. They flirted with each other. She said something about wanting a sugar daddy that lived, you know, out of town or something like that. And if he wasn't married, she'd be all over him. Tucker said that he acknowledged his mutual desire, but it would be too messy because of his marriage and the physical distance and so forth. But Tracy said that uh, her story was different. That Tucker was interested in her, but she wasn't even interested in him. Then it gets into how Tucker sent her photos of herself that he found on Instagram, making comments about her. This is the one. That's the one he likes or complimenting her eyes. He gave her gifts. He sent her a pair of Jordans. Gave her $200 in cash through Venmo. It's not like he handed her $200 in cash. He sent it in Venmo. And then he donated $2,500 to a nonprofit. My question is, he sent the $200 to Venmo. How did he get her Venmo ID? She had to tell him the Venmo ID for him to send her the cash. 
on Venmo. It's just something to think about. But anyway, uh, Miss Tracy said that Coach Tucker called her one time on FaceTime. He was in bed without a shirt on, talking about his unhappy marriage. And then on November 9th of 21, she said that he called and asked her, if I wasn't a football coach and if I wasn't married, would you date me? This is all according to the USA Today article. All of this is in this article. According to what Miss Tracy said to the uh, Title IX investigator, she said that she wouldn't because they worked together. She said that that's one of the times she tried to set boundaries with Coach Tucker. She says she made it clear on December 1st they could only be friends, and he seemed to agree with her. But then after that next spring, so this would be spring of 22, Coach Tucker called her four times, and the phone records confirmed this. But she said that he repeatedly asked to meet with her, even wanting to slip through the back door of the hotel so nobody was here, and she said no. And then 12 days later, there was a call. And now there's some also discrepancy between Coach Tucker and uh, Miss Tracy on this call, too. She said that she was in her home office in Oregon. Tucker was in a hotel in Florida, called her at 1239 a.m., According to the phone records, call lasted 36 minutes. According to Tucker, he became aroused when Tracy made a comment about needing to hit the gym more to look better without her clothes on. Why would they be talking about that? Now, if she, if this, if he's telling the truth, she done, she said all this resistant advances and stuff. And then all of a sudden, she's going to say, mm, I need to hit the gym so I look better with no clothes on. That don't sound right. Sounds like he's making it up, right? Let's keep reading. Then, after that, they then discussed how having phone sex could complicate their relationship. But she suggested once would be harmless. And he agreed if they just did it one time. So, Coach Tucker told the investigator, there's no doubt about it. She was the one who said, we'll do it. Right? Well, Coach Tucker thought that he had flown back to Michigan and made the call from home. The records show that he made this call from Florida. And he was there for a golf outing at the time. He said that that call did not include sexual activity. He called that a lie. Now, all of that Tracy denies. 
she says that the call started off normal but then when she when she sent Tucker a photo of them together from the spring game she said he responded by commenting on her behind and calling himself an ass man she remembered Tucker's voice getting deeper and weirder is what they said and this is how this is written Quote, she remembered Tucker's voice getting deeper and weirder as he continued talking about her buttocks. She asked him what he was doing and he said he had a hard D-I-C-K and was touching himself. You're touching yourself, Tracy asked. According to the investigation report, Tucker responded, yes. Now, of course, in, in quote, according to the reporter and the report by the Title IX investigator in her interview, she became tearful to the point of sobbing, describing this part. She could hear him masturbating, including every stroke, quote unquote. She could hear the noise of some kind of lubrication being used. I don't know how lubrication sounds, but okay. She said it was so loud and gross and she could hear him moaning and groaning. He said she kind of froze. She thought, oh my God, this is happening and I can't stop it. It's going to happen whether I like it or not. Hmm. She was trying to figure out what to do. It didn't occur to her that she could hang up. She's kept thinking over and over that she has to say something. And that she can't let this happen again, referring to her prior experience of being a victim of sexual assault. Yeah. So she said, "Mm, if you do this, I don't ever want to hear about it. We're only friends. And that's it, is what she said that she said. And when he finished... When he finished, now they're talking about they're going to have phone sex. But she said when he finished, she said that he told her, thank you and good night, sweetheart. She responded, yes, and he hung up. She said she sat there at her desk staring and crying. Three months passed between the call and the next time they spoke. Um, First... She tried to pretend to herself that nothing had happened. According to her, she was focusing on the partnership with, with the university. But Tucker was not responding to her text messages. He canceled their in-person training that had been planned for July 25th. And he didn't. he waited until three days before that to cancel it. Team staffer said that they were double booked, but she didn't believe that. About a week after that, she finally got him on the phone. She said he was angry, accusing her and her assistant of gossiping about his marital problems. Because, see, he was having problems with his wife, you know, marital problems. And let's just mention, put a pin in that right there. Um... I remember noticing after he came to Michigan State, I never saw her again. Never saw her after the 
initial introductory spread and article and press conference and all of that. Never saw her, never saw shots of her at the game, sitting in the crowd, cheering on the team. Never saw her again. And I remember thinking that that was odd. His first season, his second season, and then his third season, which was last season. I thought it was odd. But let's continue. She said that he made comments to her because, you know, he was accusing her and her assistant, her assistant of gossiping about marital problems. He said, I can't trust you. If you say anything about this, I'll hear about it. He said, I'll be fine, but it's you that I'm worried about. Now, that's what she said that he said. Then she says that she viewed that as a threat to destroy her reputation if she spoke out about him. How did she get to that from issue that I'm worried about? Because see, what he's saying is, you know, I'm Coach Tucker. I don't have any history. I'm a man. It's easier for me to deflect stuff like this. But you, you might be harmed because of your reputation and what you do. This would be a little messy for you. No, she took it as a threat that he's going to actually do something to me if I spoke out about him. That's what she said. She said that he told her that he didn't do anything wrong. So what are you talking about? She started to say, well, you did something referring to the masturbation. And Tucker said, but nothing happened. And he's really right. He didn't do anything to her. He didn't touch her. He didn't ask her to come do anything to him. Nothing. If this is true. Even the way she said it. But his recollection of the August 2nd phone call was different. He said that she apologized to him for discussing his marriage with her assistant. And he accepted her apology. And then they ended the call on good terms. But they also discussed postponing her visit until next year, as in 23. Because he had lost trust in her. Training was never rescheduled. They never spoke again. So August 2nd, 22, that's the last time they spoke. She stayed quiet about it, she said, for the sake of her career. Then she decided if she let it slide and she wouldn't be the person she claimed to be, the one who encourages people to speak up about sexual misconduct and hold others accountable. So, that was August. Four months later, and eight months after the call, but four months after that last conversation in August, she filed a complaint. December of 22. It says the specific allegations of prohibited conduct against respondent are as follows. And the next day, they sent the notification to Coach Tucker. And it's all in here. Multiple dates in 21 and 22. Multiple locations. Sexual misconduct. And, uh, yeah, Tucker said that he was shocked. He said, uh, 
he and his attorney suggested that maybe her motive was that she held a vendetta against the Spartans athletics because of its history of sexual misconduct scandals and falsely accused him for financial gain. That's the easiest trick in the book to accuse a woman for money. You know, that she's doing it for money. But that's what they said. He wrote a letter to the investigator on March of this year. To say that I've learned from this situation is an understatement. I will never again allow myself to be duped by kindness, he says. Mm. What did Michigan State do when this was filed? They hired this independent Title IX attorney, Rebecca Leitman Viedlinger, an Ann Arbor, Michigan-based Title IX attorney, mm, of all places, to conduct this, conduct this investigation. She was a former sex crimes prosecutor and uh, worked in Title IX offices at Michigan State and the University of Michigan. She started that investigation in January, conducted interviews of the accuser and six people she identified as witnesses, including three of Tucker's assistants who had been involved in coordinating and canceling the campus visits. Tracy's other three witnesses, her assistant, her therapist, and her attorney, told the investigator that Tracy was distraught and had disclosed the situation to them in early August within days of her final phone call with Tucker. So before August, they hadn't said anything. To, she hadn't said to anything to any of them until August. After that final phone call, when he said, I can't really trust you anymore. That's when she decided to tell her therapist, attorney, and her assistant. Okay. So the attorney, they even published this note, this handwritten note that the attorney supposedly wrote during that conversation. Seems awfully neat, but I write neat too. So, but she's an attorney. Attorneys don't often write neat. But anyway. So Tracy's assistant and best friend who attended the April 2022 spring game with her said she had been with Tracy in their hotel after the game when Tucker supposedly repeatedly was calling her, asking her to meet alone. Now, previously, Tracy had told her that Tucker liked her and it could become a problem. And then there was a screenshot of a text message in which Tracy told her that she had just spoken with Tucker, who had agreed they could only be friends. And I'm glad it didn't get weird. So... Tracy provided phone bills and emails that corroborated her timeline of events. Just the timeline. And showed Tucker had been calling her from his personal cell phone. Now, the the investigator interviewed all six of Tracy's witnesses before the end of January. Tucker didn't agree to be interviewed until late March. Not sure why they felt like they had to pub- publish that as if that's supposed to lay credence to him being guilty because he wouldn't agree to be an interview till March. Well, he had to wrap up. If you guys remember, there were some incidents he had to deal with with the team last season 
with some legal matters with the, the players. And they just wrapped up everything in January. So they had stuff to deal with. But anyway. Tucker got an attorney, of course. And he and the attorney tried to stop the investigation. Why? They proposed a settlement. Tracy said no. They urged Michigan State to drop the complaint. Sent a 12-page letter to Michigan State arguing it lacked jurisdiction to investigate Tucker's purely personal relationship with her. Mm. They had uh, Brett Sokolov, board chairman and co-founder of the Association of Title IX Administrators, to write an expert witness report asserting that policing employees off-duty activities would set a dangerous precedent. Can an employee never have phone sex, he wrote? How far does MSU intend to go in policing the private conduct of its employees, and how does it expect its 20,000-plus employees to react when they find out that they no longer have private lives outside the reach of their employer? Well, Michigan State was not persuaded, according to the um, USA Today article. That's a quote. Michigan State was not persuaded. They continued with their case to investigate Mr. Coach Tucker. So March 22nd, he gets interviewed. He said he wanted to be transparent, set the record straight. But there were some inconsistencies, like Tucker said that he had made the phone sex call from home, like I said earlier, not in Florida. He just returned from a trip to Florida, he said, where he had been doing charity work unrelated to his employment with the school. But the investigators got documents showing that Tucker had, in fact, been in Naples, Florida the day of the call, attending the Greg Montgomery Foundation golf outing on the school's dime. The school paid for it. It was administrative. Did not involve personal travel. The costs were paid by the Spartan Fund, which is the fundraising arm of the university. Could Tucker have forgotten that had gotten that mixed up? Sure. Must travel as he does. He's he could could have forgotten that that's what that was, that it was actually paid for by the university. Eh, but then he maybe could not. Maybe he was intentionally lying. I don't know. Um, Tucker also told the investigator that he had canceled that July 25th training, remember, because his new mental conditioning coach needed to implement a new program. But the investigation revealed that program didn't, didn't have any meetings between July after July 15th and before July 28th, that training was July 25th, and it was canceled. So what she's saying is, no, that's not why it was canceled, Coach Tucker. And she's saying that she believes that Tracy's recollection of that was, or allegations that he canceled it because of her and what was happening between him and her is true. Then Coach Tucker made this allegation. He 
said that his associate had told him that an ESPN investigative reporter, Paula Levine, was investigating her gang rape story. Mm-hmm. And that made him question how she goes about her business. So the Title IX investigator did not address this allegation in her report. But somehow Levine found out about it because she denied this allegation, the ESPN reporter. She said neither Tracy nor her organization has been the target of any investigative reporting in a statement to USA Today. I'm just perplexed that Coach Tucker would respond to this complaint um, by involving ESPN in it. He didn't provide any witnesses that could support his version of events, including his associate. He wouldn't identify the associate. He said he had promised his associate anonymity, which is why he did not provide that witness's information. He said it was the same associate that told him that Tracy's assistant had been gossiping about his marriage. A claim that Tracy's assistant denied. The Title IX investigator delivered her final report just in July. So that was just just under two months ago. Now, during this investigation, she also learned, the investigator learned that both um, Coach Tucker and the complainant deleted text messages. Tucker said that he deleted his messages regularly because he received so many. And then Tracy says she did so in a panic after their last phone call, feeling she needed to cut all ties with him. Okay. Mm. So, at the end of the Title IX investigation, she referred the case for this hearing. This hearing is supposed to take place in October. I think it's October 6th and 7th or something like that. That's when both sides are going to present their arguments and their evidence. Another outside Title IX attorney will then make a decision whether the evidence shows that Coach Tucker violated school rules. But unfortunately, they will not have the benefit of Tracy's assistant. And her best friend, Alvarado, because she died in a car accident in June. The plot thickens. So her assistant, who was there vouching for all of this, suddenly died in a car accident in June. May she rest in peace. That's awful news. But Coach Tucker's attorney said, with the death of this person. That's another reason why this case should be dismissed. Mm. Tucker's attorney accused Miss uh, Miss Tracy 
that she had bias against Coach Tucker and men more broadly. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Oh, I'm sorry. That's that's incorrect. She accused the actual Title IX investigator of having a bias against Coach Tucker and men in general. She pointed out 170 problems with the draft report and questions that she should have asked that she did not ask uh, Miss Tracy or her witnesses. One, why didn't Tracy return his gifts? If she was so put off, why didn't she give the gifts back? That was never asked by the Title IX investigator. Why had she given him her Venmo username? And what opinions did she have against Michigan State basketball um, coach Tom Izzo, former football coach Mark D'Antonio, and former president John Engler, all of whom had been associated with past sexual misconduct controversies? That never came up in the investigation to ask her about that, as high profile as those issues were. Hmm. So, Coach Tucker's attorney is actually requesting that that Title IX investigation be reopened and that each of those questions I just mentioned are asked of the complainant and of her witnesses and that the jurisdiction be reassessed and that the matter be dismissed, all of that. So this is how complicated and convoluted this is. So why did I go through this article, this USA Today article, in detail? I just wanted you to hear all of it because it sounds really bad. Really bad. Let's just say this. One, Coach Tucker is is married. He's legally married. I don't care what's going on in their marriage. They're married. Two, he is the head football coach of a major Big Ten football program. That's two. High-profile program. Three, one of the highest-paid coaches in the industry. Four, hate to say it, but he's a black man and she's not black. Like it or not, that has bearing on this issue and on the case. Five, the history of of controversies and uh, and issues of sexual misconduct against Michigan State uh, staff members and players and the like. It's too fresh. I mean, Nasser was just sentenced to like 300 years in prison. They just settled the case with those young ladies who all filed... Uh, charges 
or complaints against Michigan State for their inaction. The university had to pay for that. That just happened. All of this is going on. And in the meantime, you're having this flirtatious little fling with this woman, supposedly, according to him. It was a fling. According to her, it was not. It was this one attempt, these attempts at advancement that she rebuffed. And then he did the little, you know, the jacking off thing on the phone. And then after that, after he did that, all of a sudden, he was mad with her and didn't want to have anything to do with her. She says, for some reason, she says that he was mad at her. Now, if he was able to check off on the phone with her, I don't understand what he would be mad about to cut her off and to cancel her uh, event at the university. What was he mad about then? That doesn't add up to what she's saying. So you got some stuff that don't add up on his side, stuff that doesn't add up on her side. Meanwhile, he acknowledged that he, at the very least, did this phone thing, either consensually or not, with a vendor hired by the university to perform a job for the university. That can be looked at as some type of sexual harassment because there shouldn't have been any type of any hint of sexual contact or conversation or anything between them because of that professional relationship. That's how it's being looked at. Now, someone suggested on my lovely Facebook timeline that this sounds like a setup. That's the reason why I say I really wonder who that mutual friend was that introduced them, how that went down, what was said, why did they introduce these two people out the blue. Coach Tucker was meeting a whole lot of charity, charitable organizations and helping people in the community. Why was this woman suggested? I've seen pictures of her. Mm-hmm. She has a look. Why was she suggested? Who suggested it? Would this person have motive to set him up? After all, he's a black head coach of a Big Ten football program who just signed a deal to be one of the highest paid coaches in football in in college ranks more than some pros could that be a motive that somebody would do that maybe but here's the thing i don't care if it is a setup he didn't have to fall for it He didn't have to fall for the banana in the tailpipe. He didn't have to go this route. You are the head coach, as I keep mentioning. You know your job is high profile. You know that there could be a problem 
You said it could be messy. Why would you do it? Is it worth it? That's why I'm just so angry. I am so sick and tired of hearing about these people, but especially men in high places, risking it all for some tail, for something sexual from a woman. It's usually from a woman. I haven't heard the homosexual ones or anything like that. It's usually from a woman. They wanted something from her. They wanted to do this with her. They started a sexual relationship, and then all of a sudden, boom, it it gets out, and now they lose their job. That's what happened with Ime Udoka over at Boston Celtics. I was livid after that whole thing. You the head coach of the Boston Celtics. Why would you do that with somebody that works in the organization even? That's that's just lack of self-control. Was it worth it? So, as much as I love my beloved university, as much as I've been a Mel Tucker supporter, I don't I cannot say even if this woman is found to be a liar about about it being consensual. The fact that he did acknowledge that he did it, that he did anything with her over the phone, never touched her, but over the phone and that he, you know, that he did that is a problem for me. Given that you're the head coach at Michigan State University who just had to deal with the whole Nasser fallout, what the hell were you thinking? Well, we all know what he was thinking. I just, I don't understand it. So men, I just need y'all to tell me. I need y'all to tell me why. Why do I keep hearing this happening? I don't hear too much about women doing this. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But I'm always hearing about these powerful men getting these highfalutin jobs. And then all of a sudden, they're brought down because they harassed a woman sexually. They did something inappropriate sexually. Are y'all all like this? I just don't understand it. Why would you risk embarrassing your family? He's got a wife and kids. What's his kids thinking about him? What's his wife thinking? If they even if they were having problems, still aren't you concerned? She could take you for everything you got in court. It just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. $80 million on the line. The leadership of these young men, the trust, hope, respect, all of that leadership that they have in you. The way that the whole Michigan State Spartan community has rallied behind you. And you throw all that away. For a 36-minute conversation, jacking off on the phone. I don't get it. I'm pissed. I'm hurt. I love my university. I am tired of this happening. 
um, Michigan State needs to get it together. Don't know what that board of directors is doing. I don't know what the board of trustees, I should say, is doing. I don't know what our interim president is doing. But something needs to happen here. And I don't know if they have to have some sexual training for everybody. I, I don't know what the answer is. They need Jesus, if you ask me. All of them. Because this is getting out of hand. Or it's gotten out of hand. So I shouldn't say it's getting. It's already out of hand. Well, that's my time. It's dark, dreary, sad, serious. It's not a happy topic. But I just had to talk about it. I just felt like I wanted to share my opinion. This is my university. I helped build that school or keep it going with my alumni dollars. And I'm sure I'm not alone. I am so disappointed. I'm so hurt. I believed in him and where he was taking the program. I will say shout out to Harlan Barnett. He was my classmate at Michigan State. Great football player. Rose Bowl winner. He's been on coaching as one of his assistant coaches for a while now. He's taken over as interim head coach during while he's suspended. They're bringing Mark D'Antonio back as a special assistant to help out. Last time we went to the Rose Bowl, D'Antonio was the head coach. So I don't know how this is going to fall. I really don't. But I'm going to have to pray on it. Because only God can handle this right here. I can't handle this alone. That's for sure. Well, that's the end. Um, Thank you for joining me. Did you hear anything controversial? Anything you want to talk about? Any questions? Did you hear what Chocolate said? Thanks for hanging out with me. This will be posted on my Chocolate Writer Facebook page. You can follow me on Facebook at Chocolate Writer, at Chocolate Writer on Instagram and on threads and on Twitter, which is now called X. I still have that account. If you want to inbox me, I also run the Side John, the Side John Facebook group, J A W N. Send me an inbox because I will probably post this there too. So, I don't know. I'm keeping them in prayer. That's all I can do. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than, than football. Take care, you guys. And as always, I wish you love, peace, and even chocolate.